Welcome to the Circle of Birth podcast. I'm your host and advocate, Ali Kranz. These podcasts are here to gather stories, people and information to better our understanding of the wisdom of birth and how we can reclaim our connections to birth from conception and beyond. You will hear stories not only from Australia but from all over the world, bringing together women, partners, midwives, doulas and all the people that have a birth story to share. So jump right in for this next Circle of Birth story. the pleasure today of heading out to Catherine's property for this interview. Uh, This woman radiates just pure heart and we did this show today in a much different format. So Julia, my daughter and I got to hang out with her tribe while Catherine walked and talked her birth story with Eleanor who is now nine years old. So when I got home I listened to this story and I was just fueled with love and possibilities and I'm sure you'll feel the same listening to this too. So we'll break these podcasts up into two or three episodes as Catherine has four children and some more birth stories to share with us. And and I'm really itching to hear the next stories too. So welcome and love to Catherine Bell. Hello, I'm Catherine. I'm a birth cartographer, which means that I like making birth maps, which takes birth plans to a whole new level. I am a mother of four children and today I'm going to share with you the story of my first birth. It was nine years ago, it was the summer, it was hot, it was the kind of summer that you just wanted to float in a pool, it was pretty good and we spent most of the time just cruising and floating and just enjoying the bliss of pregnancy. As um, birth approached, I spent some time talking to my midwife about what to expect, what kind of uh, things would happen during the birth, and it was at that point that it became apparent to me that I needed to get some maternity pads. I was that clueless that I didn't even realise that I was going to bleed after birth. So that was news that I found out in the nick of time. And, oh gosh, it would have been 39 weeks pregnant. And I was talking to my sister-in-law and my sister about their birth experiences. And my sister-in-law said to me, oh yeah, the ring of fire. That's, um, That's a bit of a doozy, but you know what? Yeah, just work with it. It's just your body saying slow down and, you know, just breathe it out and... You know, you'll be you'll be good. And it didn't make any sense at the time, but I guess I uh, registered it at some level. And on being on forty weeks, I went into labour. It was a beautiful morning. I felt just a bit like the onset of a period. I felt a bit heavier. Something was a bit different. So I said to my husband, oh, I don't think you should go to work today. Um, might be might be best if, if you stayed home. And he sort of went, oh, well, you know, first births take a, take a while. So maybe I'll uh, just go in and uh, tie off a few loose ends. Uh, call, call me if anything changes. And I went, oh, okay, no worries. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't in labour. It was just a feeling, just a sense. By about 11 o'clock, I was, I'd had a show and some sensations that I thought 
fit, fit the description the midwife had given me. So I rang the midwife and she said, yeah, yeah, I reckon we'll be seeing you a bit later on today. Sounds like it's all happening. So I rang, rang Andrew and said, you better come home. It's all, it's all on. So he did. By the time he got home, I was swiveling around on my ball, absolutely enjoying the sensations, grinning my face off because I, I was about to meet my baby. I was so excited. And he got himself some lunch, um, offered me some food, but I was not interested in eating at that point. I was just doing my thing. And while he ate, he was timing the contractions because we'd been told that we should go to the hospital when the contractions were lasting a minute and were five minutes apart. We were about 25 minutes from the hospital. And he'd only been home for an hour. He'd had, had his lunch and he was timing the contractions and he said, you know what, we're at, um, we're at five minutes. In fact, it's more like four minutes. We really need to change location. So we, we bundled ourselves up into the car. It was about two o'clock in the afternoon and we got to, got to the hospital. And as we arrived, the midwife said, if you just want to wait a few minutes, um, the good delivery suite with the bath is just about to become available. The previous occupant has just given birth. Uh, so if you would like um, to just hold on, <laughs> you can have that room. And we're like, um, uh, okay, <laughs> no worries. So we went into this tiny little room for a bit of privacy while we waited and they cleaned up the the good room and I don't know how long it was but it can't have been very long but I was picking up um, labour was definitely progressing and I was getting agitated couldn't stay still you know oh, I'm going to go and do this no, no I want to go to the toilet no I want to do this back and forth back and forth getting quite agitated but then we were given the all clear you know the room is yours make it your own so Andrew puts on my music I'm oblivious to all of it and uh, and I just start pacing the room go to the toilet and then you know moving around feeling quite agitated so the midwife suggested I might like to have a bath keeping in mind I'd been in labour for all of a few hours at this point so being a first time mum they're expecting a long haul so she ran the bath and I, I'm getting really agitated by this point. And I, may, I might have spewed up at some point as well. Um, or, you know, you're not throwing up anything of worth. It's just a retching, really. Um, agitated, agitated, pace, pace. Bath is filled, in I get, and I just... Oh, this is so good. Just totally relaxed. And... Five minutes later, my husband's calling the midwife back saying uh, she wants to push. And so there I was um, all of five minutes um, in the bath, being at the hospital for maybe an hour and, and I'm ready to push. And it was completely involuntary. My body was doing everything. It was amazing. And between each contraction, it was nothing, um, just total relaxation. There was you know, no pain, no, uh, uh, no, no feelings of being in, in labour at all. It was, then a contraction would come and we'd be on again and you know, pushing the baby out. And then I felt 
they're burning. And I'm going, oh my God, it's burning. And then I remembered the ring of fire. Right, don't push, Re really tried hard because baby was coming whether I wanted it to or not. So I had to try really hard to uh, hold back on that contraction and allow my body to stretch that last little bit. And then the burning passed and we moved on and then I felt her head crowning and I could feel hair swishing. It was just amazing. And then this awesome release as her head came came out and it was like, my God, I have just had a baby. My baby is here. Oh, wow, this is just incredible. And they brought my baby up to my chest and I just took one look at that face her eyes were wide open just going what did I miss and it's like oh hello baby I love you so much and we just had this amazing five minutes of falling in love and they the midwife then um, noticed that the cord was no longer attached to the placenta but the cord was no, not clamped so this caused uh, concern for her because my daughter was quite pale, so they assumed that she'd lost some blood, even though she was incredibly alert, and um, we were fine. I was on an oxytocin high, so um, yeah, I was kind of unaware of a lot of what was happening, but then suddenly they're taking my baby away from me and helping me out of the bath and onto the bed to deliver the placenta, there's now a doctor in the room and a doctor with the baby and a doctor with me and another midwife and it was starting to feel a little bit central station it was getting quite crowded in that room and I was spread eagled on the bed completely starkers and so I just sort of looked at my husband and said do you mind covering me up and he's just gone oh shit. yeah sorry sorry um and covered covered me up and then the doctor has said, come on, you've got to get this placenta out. And then I've gone, oh, that's right, I'm supposed to... Yeah, I'm not done yet. There's this afterbirth that I've got to deal with. But by now, my brain is completely with my baby and I couldn't um, focus on birthing a placenta. So they gave me an injection of syntocinin, um, which is supposed to help uh, expel you know, with another contraction and it wasn't happening quick enough so he asked permission which I gave because by this stage I didn't really care um, to manually take out the placenta uh, and I not, I'm not sure what the urgency was whether they wanted to see the placenta to find out what had happened or whether um, they were concerned about me I don't know but they got the placenta out and a decision was made in this time period um, to transfer my baby to the hospital nearby with the NICU, which was about a 20-minute um, drive away. And they are saying, my baby's going, there's now ambulance people in the room preparing my baby for transfer. Even though she's looking around, she's quite alert and... You know, if you just stopped and looked at her, she looked fine. But she was small and pale, so they were concerned that she'd had blood loss. And my husband had enough wits about him to say, what about Catherine? 
And they're like, what about Catherine? He said, well, you can't take her baby to a different hospital. You need to find a room for her. And he had to insist, but they did it, and they found a room for me at the at the other hospital, and I had to make my own way, which in hindsight is absolutely bizarre that a first-time mum was... Um, ignored to a degree and allowed to leave a hospital um, so soon after birth but basically what happened um, maybe we were so insistent that they decided not to argue but once they decided they were taking the baby I was uh, and I was relieved of the placenta I was up uh, ready to follow the ambulance and they insisted I get dressed before I did this which was you know probably not unreasonable and so I put on a makeshift nappy um, made with um, maternity pads and my husband's swimsuit because they couldn't find my underwear and then I put my dressing gown on and I didn't even stop to tie it up I just ran from the room um, to get to the car so we could chase that ambulance to the other hospital my coat flying behind me like a cape it was um, pretty extraordinary to think that I had just given birth you know, a half an hour or so um, beforehand and here I am running down a hall in just my dressing gown after the baby and you know my husband coming behind with our bags and and paraphernalia we got, got to the car and um, made our way in following the ambulance to the other hospital and we were oh we do not have a name for our baby what are we going to call our baby and this seemed really important that we had to give give her a name we had to decide on on a name and we chose Eleanor and that felt good it's like right we've named her this is this is good um, and then when we got to the hospital, we had arrived just after the ambulance on the ward in the NICU and heard the registrar saying, why is this baby here? Oh, well, now that she's here, we better monitor her. So in effect, the hospital was doing a, a cover their bum um, procedure, I, I expect, um, being cautious uh, and so they put my baby into uh, the NICU overnight and we were um, told to go down to the ward and have something to eat and um, they will call me when she needed to breastfeed overnight so I breastfed her it was now 7pm at night. She'd been born at 5, so two hours after she was born, she was having her first breastfeed. And then I went down to the ward and found a sandwich and settled into my room, which was um, a shared room. And there was a woman in there that had her, her new baby. So I spent the night listening to someone else's baby cry, wondering if my own baby was crying and was called up to the NICU uh, a few hours later to feed her again with the promise that they would call me again when, when needed. And I went back down to, to the ward to, have, to, to sleep. It's now the middle of the night. And the next thing I knew, my breakfast had arrived. And it was six hours since I'd last fed, fed her. And I thought, this cannot possibly be right. 
she has to have needed to feed what's going on. And I sat there waiting for Andrew to arrive. And as soon as he did, I said, we've got to go up, up to the NICU. Uh, they haven't called me, but I'm not waiting any longer. And in hindsight, I'm looking back going, why did I feel I had to wait for the for the call? But I'm glad we, we went back up. And when we got there, we noticed that the sugar drip that they'd given her as a precaution which had been on a, on a 10, the number had read 10 when we'd left the previous evening, was now reading 40. And if that didn't seem right to us, um, we asked the midwife or the nurse why the number had changed and she said, oh, I thought, thought mum could do with the rest. And it was, oh, we were supposed to come up and feed her because if she fed well overnight, we could go home today. And she said, oh, well, she's fine. And she's fast asleep, and mainly because the sugar drip is is feeding her effectively. At 10 o'clock, the registrar came in and said, who the hell turned this up? And it was pretty clear to us that uh, the midwife had not acted upon instructions. And it was uh, it was a concern because what it meant was that they had to spend the whole day slowly dropping down that sugar drip before we would be released. And so it was the end of the day and we had we were only released onto the ward. We had to have another night in the hospital before we were let go the next day. Um, thankfully, that second night in the hospital, I had the room to myself. So Andrew was able to stay overnight while we just came to grips with the fact that we were now parents and and yeah, that mixture of excitement and, and daunting reality of what the hell is happening. Why are we at this hospital? We're supposed to be at the other hospital. In fact, we should be home by now. Um, so it was quite, quite bizarre. Uh, and then the next day when we were released, we stopped off at our first hospital to pick up our blue book and talk to the midwife. And it was then that we were informed that what had happened was the result of a velamentous cord, which basically means that the cord was hanging on by thread. It was really loosely connected to the placenta, which is a pretty rare um, situation. And whilst um, her time in NICU had been precautionary rather than necessary, uh, the the um, the fear had been that she she had lost lost blood because she was pale but it turns out she's um naturally a pale person because she's got red hair and and pale skin so uh unfortunately she didn't have quite enough hair to be able to tell that at the time <laughs> but yeah so what um what was an absolutely beautiful birth experience had a rather difficult beginning um, because of hospital um, protocols and the effect that that ended up having in our first six weeks was perhaps shattering my confidence a little bit um, and making breastfeeding a bit difficult because of the that sugar drip um, intervention uh, we, we struggled with breastfeeding for the first six weeks 
uh, I could I could have happily have given birth every day for that six weeks because that was so much easier than learning to breastfeed. I had the works cracked, bleeding nipples. It was it was painful and it was horrible, but I persevered, and with sheer determination and very good support from my my mother and my sister and the Australian Breastfeeding Association, I got there and one day, it was, would have been about the six-week mark, in the middle of the night, um, I realised I was feeding my baby and it didn't hurt. And it was fantastic. And from there, we just rocked it. We just got more and more awesome, my confidence built, and I sought the company of people that I needed to... Um, to be with people who were like-minded, who uh, who made me feel feel good about myself, and and I found uh, a mothers group that I really connected with, and and that was the, through the Australian Breastfeeding Association, and uh, we haven't looked back. She's now nine years old, um, very healthy, awesome young young girl, and the, now there's uh, three siblings un- underneath her, and she's an awesome help. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, there was a lot of, in the last nine years, there's been a lot of, oh gosh, if only I'd known moments. Um, Things like, uh, if only I'd known to have a contingency plan, um, we would have dealt with that time in NICU much more differently and and would have been a lot less, um, like deers in the headlights, we would have been a little bit more, right, okay, we get what's going on here and what our options are and we know where we can find further help so yeah if only I knew then what I know now um, we would have dealt with that very differently and the same with breastfeeding Uh, I was a little bit arrogant you know I assumed I was going to breastfeed no worries at all because why wouldn't you and one of the things that um, I, I wish I had of known to do was a, a breastfeeding education class um, to, to just build a bit of confidence and understand how breastfeeding works so that you can um, have, have an advantage there uh, because so much of our innate understanding it takes takes time to switch on and in, in, in over the first year of my my first year of being a mum as each of these instinctual things started to switch on and I became more powerful and and realized just how much I did know and to go with what felt right and natural um it it, you know it really made it easier the second time around because I wasn't starting from clueless so I I really uh really like like being able to help mums who are just starting out to not start as clueless because it does make a massive difference having having some of the uh, benefit of other people's hindsight at, at your fingertips and knowing where to find good support. Uh, because even with a beautiful um, birth experience, it shouldn't come down to luck and it shouldn't come down to um, just sc- scoring the right midwife. That you, you can do a lot to make it happen purposefully, not, not by luck. So that's, that's birth number one, the birth of my daughter and the birth of me as a mother. And it was incredible, absolutely incredible. 
Did you connect with this episode? Then head over to our website, circleofbirth.com. There you'll find show notes, pictures, resources, and potentially connect with today's storyteller. Don't forget to sign up to be updated with new empowering episodes and content. Help the show grow by contributing a tip in the jar to make sure we can continue to better the podcast and connect more and more to the wisdom and birth and each other. Hey, and don't forget the iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we empower. We empower.